Well, today I want to talk to you about a heart of generosity. If you are brand new here, uh, you are so welcome. We are so happy you are here and that you're with us. And we don't preach every week about money. But I want you to be able to relax and, because I'm really speaking today to the church family here. But I pray for you if you're visiting and you're inquiring in the Christian faith, that it's actually going to be quite helpful for you to see who Jesus is, to see his generosity to us, and also to give you a greater understanding of what it is as a biblical, a Christian response to giving. Because we believe that Jesus came to bring joy and freedom. And our prayer is for all of us here today that we'll know in a greater way and in ways that will impact our treasures. And so I want to encourage you to keep your Bibles open. We're in 2 Corinthians 9, as was read earlier. And um, we're going to be digging into a passage here. And um, a bit of context on the letter. Paul here is writing to a church in Corinth. Paul is a man who used to persecute the Christians. He was a, a zealous Jew. And his aim was basically to eradicate the Christian faith. And then he encountered Jesus and his saving grace. And then from persecuted, Paul becomes a preacher and a church planter. And he's writing to one of those churches in Corinth here. So we're like eyes in and we're going to see what it's got to say then and also to us now. But firstly, we're going to see in our passage that giving comes from the heart. Verse 7 says, Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 7 starts with, Each of you should give. All of us here who follow Jesus, no matter our age, no matter the stage of life, no matter where we live, no matter how long we follow Jesus, whether it be a minute or our lifetimes, we are individually and collectively called to be radically generous. It says, each of you, Paul's writing to this church in Corinth, each of you, and in turn he speaks to us here, each of us should give. Now, some people say, um, you know, it's great, I give to the guide dogs. And, you know, I'm quite passionate about them. We've recently got a golden retriever puppy. She's nine weeks, called Heidi. She's stunning um, and a lot of fun. But so many people give to the guide dogs. Some of them say, like, the donkeys is my thing or I'm really passionate about this social justice movement there. And those are all great things. But so many people can give to them. Who gives to LPC in the work of a mission here in the church? It's each of us. Each of you are called to give here. But God cares about the why and the how of our giving. He cares about our motivation. In that verse 7, it says, he cares about our heart. Give what you have decided in your heart to give. For us, a bit later in the service, we'll have some time to review our giving. And we want to make sure our heart posture is right before God. So often when we think about giving and what it is to be generous, we sit down with a calculator, trying to work out what's almost the least I can give that actually looks like that I'm being generous. And it's really right to think practically in how we do it. 
But we want to sit down rather with the calculator, but with a heart response to the cross. God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our time or our talents. In truth, he doesn't need anything from you or I. But what God wants, what God wants from you is your heart. What he wants from you is your love. The Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 6, 21. Our treasures and our hearts are so interlinked. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we promise that our hearts will be with him and he in us. But giving doesn't always feel like that, does it? If you're feeling like giving feels like a tax, and I'm just doing my tax return right now, and um, if you're doing the same, you know it's not necessarily a pleasant experience. You know it's the right thing to do. You know it's our duty as citizens of people who earn, but really it might be reluctantly or compulsed in it. But giving should never feel like duty. As our verse 7 said, like you're reluctant or under compulsion. If that's you with your giving and how you see that as giving to LPC, don't give. I really would prefer you never to give here if you feel like it's a tax. Come and worship. But if you feel like giving is a duty, don't give. Giving is a heart response to God and what he's given to us. And giving is the most fun thing to do. When I first moved to London, Sophie and I had been dating for a few years. I had my first job um, and we had spoken about marriage and getting engaged. Now, the problem was that I had been a student for a number of years, firstly studying medicine and then switching out med school halfway through to re-theology. So I literally had no money to buy her a ring. So I decided to try and live life as cheaply as possible. And everyone knows trying to do that in London is tough. So in my mid-twenties, I ended up sharing a tiny two-bedroom flat with four guys. And these four guys aren't, we're not normal standard, we're sort of like, all sort of rugby player looking type people, quite big in this tiny small flat. And what we would do is we would rotate the beds and the sofas amongst each other to enable at least some people to get a good night's sleep. And in doing so, I was able to give a little bit more to this pot of saving up for a ring for her. Um, I would cycle to work, transport's expensive. So I realised if I cycle to work there and back each day, I'd save £2.70 each journey. That's £5.40 over £27 each week. It quickly adds up. Then my bike got stolen. I realised actually I can't replace it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to run to work. And for lunch, while the other grads were eating wasabi and pret, I would have gone to the Tesco's on the Monday, brought a loaf of brown bread, a pack of four four baked bean tins, and split that across my lunches for the week, doing lunch for less than £2.16 in five days. Now the question is, why did I do that? It wasn't out of duty, But it was out of delight and love for Sophie. It was my heart response to her. And genuinely, it was the most fun thing I remember doing in that season. I sacrificed for her. And I tell you what, it's so worth it. 
Other people here might be able to look down at a ring which might look more impressive than the one Sophie has on her finger. But when Sophie looks down, she knows how loved she is because, not because of the item, but it was the heart response of what motivated me to doing that. And giving should hurt in some way. It is a sacrifice. But we don't do that out of duty. We do it as a heart's desire. As our passage says, God loves a cheerful giver. The Greek word for cheerful is hilarious. The English word is hilarious. It should be fun to give. We give gladly, we give hilariously as a heart response to God. And generosity leads to happiness. And the happiest people I know are the most generous. And I'm sure you can see that in your life too as well. The Time magazine recently ran an article last year where it concluded the same thing. Article reads, being generous really does make you happier. And it found these things to be true in people who were generous. That they had a lower stress level, longer life expectancy, that they are happier with their finances, their career, romantic life, social life, family life, their friendships. The Bible says that to be true too. It quotes Jesus in Acts 25 with his words saying, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And anyone who's given a little present to a child at Christmas, seeing the joy on their face, what does it do to your heart? It fills you with joy as you've given away. And the biggest blessing in that verse is that God loves a cheerful giver. It's God's love that we get to experience more as we give out more. But the problem is money and treasures can have a stranglehold on us, can't they? Our culture in Surrey says, you earn it, you keep it. Pursue more, compare against others. Get as much as you can, as quickly as you can, to retire as soon as you can, as well as you can. You know, have that holiday home in that extra country. Make yourself as safe, comfortable, the pleasure as much as possible now that you can enjoy. We see treasures as ours, and we're being generous if we're giving a little bit away. But Jesus' culture flips that idea around and says, joy comes from giving, not from hoarding. And joy is so marked as a Christian. We should be marked by joy. Why? Because it reflects God and his joy. C.S. Lewis, who started his journey to faith in Leatherhead, said joy is the serious business of heaven. You know, we follow a God who is the inventor of happiness and joy. Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy there being you and I, God is after joy. And as carriers of the Holy Spirit, we want to follow Jesus' model, that in giving generously, that it leads to joy. I had the privilege of meeting some of the most generous people in my life so far. Opportunities that I've experienced people blessing and I've seen other people be blessed by the generosity of others. I have a good friend called Josh. And Josh um, was on staff with me at HDB as a curate. And Josh on a Saturday had somehow managed to crash his car into an ambulance on a training exercise. Thankfully, no one was hurt. But Josh's car was completely written off. 
Now Josh and his family with three young children came to church on that Sunday after it happened without sort of provision to be able to replace that car. Having to work out how they were to travel, how they were to get about. And I was standing there with Josh as he was sharing it to Nikki, who was the vicar at HDB at the time. Nikki heard about what happened. And Nikki, without a hesitation, gave Josh the keys to his car. Incredible generosity. And I've also seen that enormous generosity given when it might be in small amounts. I remember Sophie and I were reflecting, and she was talking with me about a mission trip she had been on in uh, Uganda. And um, on this mission trip, part of it, they were running some sports days. And one day they ran this uh, running race. And they didn't have any uh, prizes, like, you know, the trophies, medals to give out. But what they did have was a pack of biscuits. And so this boy won the race. And Sophie and the team gave the boy a biscuit to celebrate. And what the boy did with the biscuit um, really stood out to her and sort of always stood out to me. He got the biscuit. And rather than doing what my son would do, which would take like 14 biscuits from church in one go, he broke it apart and gave it to everyone in the race. The boy who had been given this biscuit gave it out. And you know, in the Bible, God blesses the widow might when someone gives it all. It might seem small, but it's the heart attitude which God cares about. Because giving comes from the heart because it reflects God's heart. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God's love means that he gave Jesus. What is your heart's response to God's generosity? Well, hopefully it will cultivate a heart of generosity in us. And secondly, in our passage, we see why are we called to be radically generous? First, you'll see radical generosity reaps a radical reward. Verse six, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, Paul is talking about like to an agricultural culture who know about farming and seeds. And um, you guys probably know far more than me, but as someone who's recently r- r- arrived in Leatherhead, I'm trying to look after like a garden and I'm struggling with that. But I do know that if I was wanting to plant crops and see plants come into fruition, I don't keep seeds in the kitchen. I have to have that radical generosity of giving it all out. I have to sprinkle the seeds out on the soil, trusting that in giving it away, it will bring a return. Our radical generosity is like that of a farmer, sowing and giving it out to the people of Leatherhead and beyond and watching God bring in this harvest. And what I love, what I get so excited about is that you and I get to sow into what is being done and partnering with God in this town in the advancement of the gospel here. You know, we have the greatest privilege of playing our part in allowing the 145 guests that we've had on Alpha in 2023 explore the hope of Jesus. 
You and I, through our giving, through our sowing, are playing our parts in seeing us raise a generation of faith in our young people that, like a C.S. Lewis, coming his journey living in Leatherhead, coming to know Jesus later in life, changing and impacting the world, we're going to raise a generation who are going to impact the world for Jesus' glory. The more we sow into this generation, the more we will reap a harvest in them. We see that radical generosity leads to actually transformation in us. Paul speaks in verse 10 of the harvest of your righteousness that we get as a benefit of our generosity. You know, giving transforms our character. It releases us from the hold of materialism that breeds self-centered living. And and doing so in this release, it it enables us to receive a character that is after the Lord's heart, a harvest of righteousness. If you long to have a heart after God's heart, be radically generous because he is and watch the Holy Spirit transform your character to reflect his. Our radical generosity enriches us for what? To be more generous. You will be enriched, this is verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. We are called to be generous with our time, our treasures and our talent. And God entrusts more to those who look after it well. Not to increase our standard of living, but God blesses us to raise our standard of giving so that we can be Verse 11 says, generous on every occasion. And that generosity doesn't give us thanks or doesn't give us glory. It says it will result in thanksgiving to God. Our radical generosity meets other people's needs. Do you see, it says in verse 12, not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people. Generous giving blesses other people and impacts and meets their needs. You know, if you've ever been to a perfume shop and you walk in, you're hit by this perfume wafting into your face. The same way, that's what impact we have meeting other people's needs through our generosity. It impacts upon them. Carries the aroma of Christ. I have a a good friend called Joe. Joe was born on the world's end estate in London. And Joe dropped out of school at 13. And he had quite a chaotic and um, a violent home. And uh, Joe actually watched as his dad took his life in a battle with his mental health. Joe's brother was in and out of prison growing up. And at the age of 13, leaving school with served no real hope, apart from a desire apparently to work for John Lewis. I never got to do that. But then a church delivered a box of kindness at Christmas one year when they didn't have anything. So someone gave money to enable this box of kindness to go to Joe's home. And that and the impact of people's giving that enabled a youth worker to walk around and to pray with the young people in the world's end estate meant that In the estate where Joe saw his dad lose his life in battle mental health, Joe gave his life on the same stairwells to Jesus Christ 
What's amazing is what's happened in Joe's life now. Married, great kids, but what is awesome is that Joe is running one of HDB's church plants. He's vicar of a great church on the, in North Kensington and an estate there. Passionate about seeing people come to know him. What difference that person who gave money to enable that box of kindness to arrive at Joe's house has made. Your giving helps meet other people's needs, but you've no idea the impact God has on it when God blesses it. And radical generosity is a mark of real faith. Do you see in verse 13 that generous giving is an act of obedience which accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. Giving is an act of trust. It says, God is on you, not on me or anyone else who provides, because ultimately everything comes from you. Real faith knows it's all from God and for God. And faith and obedience trust God to be who he says he is. I remember growing up in a family who uh, committed to regular giving. My mum and dad, who run a church down in Dorset, wouldn't just speak about it, but would live it out. I remember a time when our car needs to be fixed, but they would sit us down and said, we can't fix our car this month because we're tithing to the church, but we're trusting God to provide. I was so influenced, and I have been, by my dad putting the words he'd preach on a Sunday into action and witnessing in the home. Seeing him tangibly trust God for our family needs and finances is an act of obedience. And what blew me away wasn't just his act of obedience, but seeing God come through, providing us with what we needed. And that God's provision and our obedience has so shaped my view of kingdom economics. It's not like the Surrey hoard for ourselves, but as we give away, God blesses. Because our radical generosity actually leads to other people blessing us. As we live radically generous lives, it causes others to, as verse 12 says, to thank God. Verse 13, to praise God. And verse 14, to pray for us, those who are radically generous. The greatest blessing someone can give you is to pray for you. Why? They're thanking the God of the universe for you. The God who breathes stars into the sky. The God who is creator, sustainer, redeemer, who loves us. They're asking him to bless us, to move in our lives, to grow our character. There's no other blessing greater than someone can give you than to pray for you. Our radical generosity leads to that. And lastly, most importantly, our radical generosity is an overflow of God's indescribable gift to us. Our giving is a response to God's amazing grace. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. His grace is the giving of Jesus. Jesus, that indescribable gift. Jesus, the saviour who came to take my place on the cross, my place holding that my sin held in there, the things that I can earn, achieve salvation, he has won and given to me. This amazing gift of grace that we get unwrapped, 
we get to receive. And God did that out of joy for you and I. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. My favorite Sunday at LPC in this amazing 13 months of us being here was actually last Sunday. Why? We saw seven people get baptized. Seven people get baptized. And many more saying, I want to get baptized in January. Seven people, all different ages, stages, backgrounds, who have encountered Jesus' saving grace, his indescribable gift. You know, we had the confetti cannons going, the band playing, clapping, the whooping. Why? Because we are a church that celebrates with joy at seeing people meet with Jesus. Heaven was having a massive party at the same time. We looked a few weeks ago about that, the banquet, where there's a place for everyone, a banquet where everyone is invited to, which is the kingdom of God with Jesus. And the heaven gets louder and louder every time someone is transformed by coming home to Jesus when they repent and believe of who he is. That is the joy that was set before Jesus that he endured the cross for. So we're a church that is full of joy. We long to impact this town for his glory. We're a church that is full of joy, carrying his presence out to the people we meet in our workplaces, in our families and on our roads. And that celebrates with joy when they come to know him. God has a generous heart to each of us. And our response to his generosity of Jesus is a heart of generosity too. And we have an opportunity now to play our part in the sowing into the vision of this church, to enable a rich harvest. And can I encourage you to reflect, to pray and to respond in radical generosity. In Jesus' name, amen.